0: Good afternoon, Philadelphia, Chester County, Montgomery County, Delaware Counties. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we have special guest, amazing realtor, Jade James, our first real estate scholarship recipient. Jade, glad to have you on. Thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. Jade, Jade is very nervous, just so everyone knows. Uh, so we're going to make her feel very comfortable on the show. Uh, but we're, we're excited to talk about some obviously real estate stuff, uh, talk about what's going on in the market right now. And there was some news that just came out. And again, we're on WWDB 860 AM. And we all work at the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania, and Delaware since 2018. And the the thing we want to jump into in our first segment here is the 2020 home buyer and seller profile that comes out from the National Association of Realtors. So to give you some perspective, if you don't know what this is, it is the annual survey of recent home buyers and sellers who purchased from July 2019 to June 2020. So that's an interesting date, given what happened in the real estate market last year, coming right off that shutdown that we had. And uh, 2020 obviously had some really distinct circumstances, and we're going to talk about those. And that was actually part of the profile was what happens like post-COVID, which I thought was pretty interesting. So what I'm going to do, ladies, I want to hit on some stats first. I want to get your take on all this stuff. So uh, a couple things right out of the gate. Um, tenure in the home. So how long people are living in properties, it remains at a high of 10 years this year. Historically, it's been seven. seven. So, uh, saw 88% of buyers used an agent to help them purchase, and, and um, on the sell side, a historical high of 89% of sellers used an agent to purchase, and they also mentioned iBuyers in here, and that was only less than 1% of sellers used the iBuyer online-only program. What an iBuyer is, they'll make a sight unseen offer on your home. They, uh, they're, they're investors that are buying properties. So find all that pretty interesting. So less than one percent, despite all the news about i buyers. So before we even get into the rest of this here, what do you guys think about these stats? I mean, what, what, what do you see here, especially with how long people are living in homes, agent usage. Stacey, why don't we start with you?
1: Well, I'm excited about the agent usage. That's, that's a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important because um, if you're selling, uh, you don't want to leave any money on the table. And if you're buying, you, you know, you, the agent, if you have a good agent is going to help you through that entire buying process because it's not buying and selling is not an easy proposition for anyone. So going it alone or, um, you know, it, it's highly recommended to, to have representation, have an agent.
0: Well, I just wouldn't go to court without a lawyer. I, well, mean, exactly. that, I mean, that that's my view on this. I don't go to, you know, I don't perform surgery on myself. Right. Hopefully I don't have to get surgery. But uh, and you look at some of the challenges from last year, right? Yes. What we can and can't do in Pennsylvania—we've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. What what what's going to happen in the market? How do I time this with a pandemic going on and rates jumping all over the place? Especially looking at the time frame here. This isn't all of 2020. This was July 2019 until June 2020, where you know when when all the restrictions came out. I mean, rates shot up. FHA uh, was was pulling investors. Loans weren't closing. The same thing happened in 2008. So I do agree with you that in those circumstances, having some agent guidance is really going to be critical. Jade, what do you think? Tell, tell us what all the, all these stats mean to you.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, getting an agent is super important, um, especially in this market. Um, so those stats are definitely really impressive. I, I got involved probably in the beginning of this year or so. Um, I think that that is super important for, you know, uh, for someone to get an agent involved on both buy and sell side.
0: Well, when you look at how different the processes are, too, just because you've bought a home doesn't mean you know how to sell a home. Right. And people are doing this once a decade I mean, things change over 10 years. Do you remember what it was like in 2011? I mean, uh, the market was totally different. I mean, we're just getting electronic signatures. The contract was different. Marketing was different. So there's a lot of things that didn't quite You know, add up. So I think to your point there, there was a lot of challenges this year. And I know when I've got a problem, I don't know about you guys, but I get like, you know, someone comes after me legally. I've got an accounting issue. I got a health issue. I'm not going at it on my own.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So
0: (laughs) I think that that's the lesson to be learned here more than anything else. And there was 8% of people did use, uh did did go kind of the unrepresented route. So Mm -hmm. knowing that agent usage is up, especially on the sell side, which, you know, you think about virtual showings and having to do things by video, that was all kind of new last year. Now it's become commonplace. Let's talk about what's going on with buyers and sellers, because this to me is really where the the data is most important and what this all means for the market. So the first stat I highlighted um, was that 62% of buyers were married couples, 19% were single females, and 9% were single males and then 9% were, were unmarried couples, which is, you know, I mean, you see a lot of that happening too, where people are buying homes together. So, mm-hmm. t- talk to me about those stats. What what, what, do you, what do you think about those? Because I've got a very clear opinion, but I want to hear what you have to say on this.
1: Well, kudos to the single females out there <laughs> 19%.
0: All the wow. single ladies, right? Fiance. That's a,
1: <laughs> that we beat out the single males. They had 9%. So, um, that's pretty cool. Not that I'm a single female, but females in general. But that's pretty impressive. Um, You know, it just shows the sign of the times here. They're not afraid to jump in the market and take, you know, get home ownership and start their uh, investment.
0: I mean, the single guys got to get their act together. Uh, Exactly. Step it up. Well, we'll think about this, though. I mean, you know, and we know that family formation is changing, right? People are getting married later. Nine percent were unmarried couples that are obviously, you know, to me buying a house is like almost getting married these days. I think it's as big of an obligation as anything else. So I I see that. I mean, it it tells me that maybe some of the single guys need to start thinking a little better financially, maybe get some advice. I, I was a little surprised by that and not surprised at the same time. So, uh, but I also see that, you know, 62% married couples, mm-hmm. that to me is what do we always talk about? Millennial home buyers coming to the market right. and millennials are at that age where they're like having kids or getting married. And let's say they're unmarried couples. Let's add that on. So that's 9%. So all of a sudden 71% of buyers had some sort of like household formation. Right. So th- that really reiterates how people put a high value on housing over the past 12 months, or at least during that that 12-month range that they took there from July 2019 to June 2020. So, you know, because of, and, and you know, a lot of people, if you look at the reasons why people are moving, right, um, a lot of it was um, detached single-family homes were the most common home type for recent buyers at 81%. That's almost in line wow, with those wow. same numbers. Yeah. So what, what does that tell you? I mean, coming off of the COVID-19 pandemic and everything else, I mean, what, what do you guys think about this?
1: I think, um, yeah, it, people had revelations during COVID lockdown. Either <laughs> they decided they want to get out of their apartment or out of their, you know, they're not going to rent anymore or out of the urban area and move to suburbia. Um, so that plays into the single family homes um, or, you know, they they wanted to downsize. So what maybe they had a huge single family home. They wanted something a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. So. I think they, you know, everybody decided during COVID what their needs were. And, and a lot of people are acting on those new needs, especially being stuck in a house, you know, with <laughs> yes. their families. So
2: I feel right. like they, yeah, they're ready, ready to make that move to either, like you said, upgrade or, mm-hmm. or, or downsize even. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and to your point, I mean, people placed a high premium on where they were living. That's you, you couldn't go anywhere. I mean, up until this past week, we weren't able to do anything. I and mean, now you can go out and, to go to a restaurant go to a bar and not have to you know sit six feet apart and have all these um you know masks on and all these all these requirements so you know people i, I they also had a lot more disposable income mm-hmm. right so i think it was a time where people are like you know what we're not spending money or we're not spending our money on dumb stuff i would say something you know a little different if we weren't on the radio here uh, but that that's a big problem with a lot of peoples they 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 just spend their money in, in not smart ways there's not a lot of financial planning that goes on it's probably why the single males are only 9% of the, and i mean, being, <laughs> look, I can say this, right? So I, I was a single male once. I did buy a house when I was single, but that's not the point. I think a lot of, they're just, you know, they're spending their money on different things. And, right. and, you know, now that you, you can't go out and do all that, it's, let's do something smart. That's going to help build wealth. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally agree. So, I thought uh, One of these numbers was interesting. 12% purchased multi-generational homes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was interesting. I, I have um quite a number of people that I'm working with that are looking for that now. So um I, I see where that number, you know, it's a pretty good size number there, too.
0: Well, it was the same as last year, right? And you look at you think about maybe the parents that want to cash out on their property. They can't take care of their home anymore, right? Like I mean, you know, people get older and all of a sudden they have to maintain these single family homes. It's a lot of work, right? Yes. You got landscaping costs, utility costs. You're only living in a couple rooms in the house. So, all those things happen, and that was the same number as last year. And they said it's be, to either take care of aging parents or because kids over the age of eighteen are moving back home to try to save money. Oh. Big challenge right now, right? I mean, the job market—you know—we've we, seen what's happened there, and you know, looking at millennial buyers, people keep talking about them. They didn't buy homes for a while because they wanted to go home and save money for that. So, I, I think that that is that is pretty relevant, Stacy, and it also it's kind of a sign of the times here. I mean, this has been going on for for a little bit now. Let's talk about the search process. This is another one that jumped out to me. Buyers typically search for eight weeks and looked at a median of nine homes and looked at five of them online. So we talked about this briefly last week on the show. So what does that tell you? Has the search process changed? What do you guys think about this?
1: Definitely everybody's looking online first. Don't you find that, Jade? Yeah, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised at the low number. I would have thought that they would have looked at more houses online. Yeah, especially uh, you know everyone's using
2: utilizing Zillow, Trulia, and searching on there. Um, I don't -hmm. know where else they're going. I mean, the newspaper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the entire job is probably the answer. No, that that, that's five. So five of nine are online only, though. So that's fifty-five. So they didn't even look at them in person. They said, okay, here's the nine we're looking at. Are you guys doing video tours still? Like, talk a little bit about that. Like, let's say someone says, hey, I can't make it. Jade or Stacey, get me into this property. You know, we, we hit on this last week. So what, what's your process like? there? Because to me, this is where realtors really need to pivot and provide this service. Some people, they're going to be okay not seeing the home. It's, can we get the home is really the question. That's where the market shifted a lot.
2: For sure. With everything moving so fast, if someone schedules it up and it doesn't match the availability of a home, definitely. You know, reaching out and letting them know, hey, I'll go out to the to the property for you. We can hop on Facetime and, and take a look. So that's definitely uh, you could definitely use it out there. That's
1: value added service right there for sure yes. with our agents.
0: Well, I think that that's what agents need to be doing though, because the reality is you don't get them into that home. I mean, how's your buyer going to feel? Let's say they're away they on vacation, out. and right. you don't All you right. can't wait till you get back anymore. It used to be. I mean, I can tell you, uh, we'll, we'll be back on Monday. We'll go take a look at it again. Those days are long gone, <laughs> oh, God. long God. gone, unless there's some predetermined instructions or something like that happening. But uh, you know, knowing that's the case, I mean, I found that very the, the majority of homes people are looking at are online only. So you know, when when you when you take someone through a video, and I just want to hit on this again because it's so important. What what are you showing them? Like, let's say you know you get the phone call, take me through. I can't see it. I've seen the marketing video. And you know, Nick, our, our man behind the camera, does a great job with the marketing videos. That doesn't show everything about the property. So what what are you looking for in a home when, you, when you're doing these video tours?
1: Well, I typically start outside and I'll, I'll show them a view, you know, up and down the street so that they can get an idea of the street and, and their surroundings. Uh, so that's where I start. And then I I go ahead of time and open the front door and open all the other doors and turn the lights on. But then I'll move inside and I usually start, you know, the basics where your standard video tour would be uh, downstairs, upstairs. And then I get into the guts of the house. So I look for all the utilities. Where's the hot water heater? What kind of condition is the heater in? The basement? Um, You know, the doors, the access to the basement. Uh, And then around the back, show them the back. So I think you can get more detail for sure when you're doing in-person video tours. You can open up cabinets. Show them the appliances. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're giving them everything they need. It just happens to everything. be on a video.
1: Exactly. And then they can recircle. Like, you know, I can say, do you want to see something else again? Exactly. And usually they do. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> can you take me upstairs and show me the bedrooms one more time? All Absolutely, right. I can. Uh, do the windows operate? You know, these are important things that you can't necessarily get from um, a video tour that's put together, but a lot of video tour that the agents are taking them through. Yes, we can do those things. Absolutely, I agree.
0: All right, so you're giving them the full the full tour, showing them all the bad parts, the good parts, the sexy stuff, the boring stuff. That a lot of times, like people don't like. Yeah, you know, I, I know when I've looked at homes, and you know, even, even the home we live in right now, my wife didn't see it until we went through on, on the inspection. That was within that period. Um, but you know, she didn't want to like go down to the basement or check out the garage. <laughs> she didn't really care. So you're, you're showing them everything, which is great. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's also a lot more efficient, right? Like think about trying to get people's schedules together anymore. Right. It's tough, it's right? Tough. I mean, so I mean, are you, do you see that buyers, are, are are they becoming more okay with this? And your perspectives might be a little different. Um, Jade, especially you, because you you've been in the business a couple months and, and having a lot of success quickly. Are they, are they just okay with it now? Have you had any resistance to this when you say, hey, I'll give you a video tour if we can't make the time work?
2: no uh especially if it doesn't fit their schedule you know they're willing to take whatever they get especially when homes are hitting the market Friday and or are going to mm-hmm. whatever they can get they'll take it
0: so it sounds like not only the agents are pivoting but also the buyers are pivoting but that's what you got to do right. in a challenging market right or an incredible yep. market like this yep. awesome so we got a couple other things i want to hit on here um i found this to be very interesting as well um so how people are selecting their agents And this to me is something all the realtors need to be thinking about. Um, For the purchase side, 40% of buyers used an agent that was referred to them by a friend, neighbor, or relative, and 13% used an agent they worked with in the past to buy or sell a home. I can't believe it's only 13%. That's a really low number. Um, 73% of buyers interviewed only one real estate agent, and 91% of buyers would use their agent again or recommend their agent to others. So here's the question I got for you. 91% Ninety-one percent of buyers would use their agent again or recommend, and thirteen percent only use the agent to the, <laughs> that they that they worked with in the past. So, how does that number happen? I mean, you know, what 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 should agents be doing here? Because to me, that that's a miss. I mean, that that's a big you know revenue loss for a lot of people. And at the same time, if the average is ten years that people are moving, and eighty-seven percent of realtors are out of the business in five years. Oh yeah that might be a factor in this, but that's still way too low of a number. Um, and actually, if you look at it, 87, 100 minus 87 is 13, so maybe that's the reason why. I don't know, I mean, I don't think it's that easy because I, I would imagine some of these people are still on the market, but what does that tell realtors if they're trying to find clients or they're struggling with their business right now? What would you be doing as an agent? I know what I'd be doing, but I wanna hear from you ladies.
1: Follow up is I my main yeah. thing. <laughs> we'll
0: talk. What kind of follow up? Like, what, what, what? Would you, so, you you sold someone a house last year, Stacey. What mm-hmm. are you doing now?
1: I check in the first month, see how they're making out in their new home. You know, see, where you are and usually they're still very excited. Oh, we're doing this that, and other. That. Then follow up in another six months, uh, birthdays, holidays, special occasions, things like that, and then a year follow up, see how things are going. And then it's just the occasional, you know, it's the constant keeping you in touch, whether it's an email, a card, a phone call, a text message. It's pretty simple, but you got to do it.
0: So you're staying in touch with your clients is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Jade, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'll say the same. Stay in touch, following up, keeping your name fresh in their mind so they can give you that referral or even, you know, five, 10 years down the line, they'll keep you fresh in your mind to sell their home again. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and if you don't follow up, guess what's going to happen? Somebody, Somebody else, else will. will. Mm-hmm. Or you have all these portals that are out there, like a Zillo or like a Dave Ramsey, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who run advertising when you type in best agents in blank. And they find that person, and they haven't heard from you since they bought your home. And I'm, I'm not saying you do this. I'm just pointing at one of you guys here. And what ends up happening is, then they, oh, you know, we forgot about you, Stacey. It's not the client's job to remember. This right. is the problem with real estate agents. They get upset, they get ticked, and they need to have that meeting with themselves to keep in touch with their clients better. So, um, you know that 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 to me is probably the most important thing to be doing. So, um, let's talk about the sell side real quickly, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of take a, a quick break here. But uh, so the sell side, eighty-seven percent of. Uh, and I want to talk about financing real quick. I'm sorry. 87% of buyers financed their home purchase. That was 88% last year. No difference there. Um, what I found interesting is that first-time buyers were financing more, up to 93% of their home compared to repeat buyers at 84%. So I thought that would, you know, but uh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the typical home seller was uh, um, around 56 years old. The typical home buyer was 47 years old. And the reasons people were selling, and, and I want to get your take on this, and then we'll talk about how they found their agent. Um, 15% wanted to be closer to family and friends. 14% said their home was too small, and a change in family situation was 12%. So that's what, 40, I mean, close to 45%, a little less than that. And sellers are typically living in their home for 10 years before selling, similar to last year. So what is that? Is this part of the inventory problem? I mean, look, the reasons for selling, there's not a, it's not like one common reason. They're kind of all over the place.
1: Yeah, they. It seems like they're all over the place. Yeah, and and they're small amounts, like the small percentages.
2: Yeah, I agree. That's that's mm-hmm. definitely goes hand in hand with the, the inventory level for sure.
0: Well, it, do you think that's part of like what happened with the, the coronavirus, or I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, are people just kind of happy where they are and they're hunkered down, or because again, this survey went to uh, only went to June of last year.
1: Mm. Well, I think a lot has changed since June of last year. So I'd be curious to see what the numbers are um, from June to you know present time now because I think it's going to be different. We were still on lockdown for the most part. You know? Yeah, and people, mm-hmm. you know,
2: yep. For the future not being that predictable, people were probably a little bit
1: scared to to actually commit to doing that sale. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the vaccines weren't really as pre you know they weren't prevalent now. You know, people feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So. I think those stats are going to be a lot different
0: so people are more comfortable things mm-hmm. are opening up mm-hmm. um and you know i, I there, there are people the only people that really needed to sell were the ones that or that sold were the ones that needed to sell like they were bursting at the seams mm-hmm. they were they were downsizing already had a new home lined up all, all those sort of things so the reasons for selling are, are no surprise to me they're a little sparse mm-hmm. so let's talk about the same conversation how sellers found their agent right Sixty seven percent of sellers found their agent through a referral from a friend, neighbor or mm-hmm. relative or use an agent they worked with before to buy or sell a home. So a little higher on the sell side. Seventy seven percent of sellers only talk to one agent before finding the right agent they worked with. So you're right. an agent. You have that data. What is it? What, what are you doing with it?
1: Well, the referrals are key. So it's a pretty good number. So mm-hmm. definitely um, ask for referrals. Ask your clients for referrals um, because it, as you can tell by those stats, it pans out. And um, what was the second one?
0: So seventy-seven percent of sellers only talk to one agent.
1: Wow! So that's that's pretty impressive. They only talk to one, so they're not interviewing.
0: They didn't interview multiple. Yeah.
1: So um, definitely, when you're doing your seller's presentation, that's 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 the time then, because it it says that they're pretty receptive at that at that moment. Mm-hmm. If you get the appointment to meet with them, make it count. Because 77% only interview one agent. Yeah.
0: Well, go ahead, Jade.
1: Yeah, I think
2: that that is definitely pretty impressive because, um, you know, you want to get in, to hopefully be the first one that they see. Mm-hmm. So that way, you know, you don't have any competition to, to get their home sold. So, but that that number is impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And what I know is this, when you have an appointment with somebody... You've got to come with your A game. You've got to be overly prepped. You've got to know the market. You've got to understand how to market the property. And so many agents, they try to wing it instead of knowing what to do. They think they're going to get them with charm and a smile. And, you know, you like fishing. I like fishing, too. Let's sell your house. Right. I mean, that, that that's literally what a lot of agents right. rely on instead of having a scalable presentation, understanding how to present a marketing plan getting a home ready for sale and also understanding the market. I mean, I know a lot of agents, they don't even want to give a price when they walk in the door. Well, aren't, isn't that what you're calling them over there for? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you, right. you guys have both been on listing presentations. I mean, how much prep are you doing before you get to these things?
1: A lot,
2: a whole lot. <laughs>
0: Tell <laughs> whole me more. Tell me more.
2: Um, uh, going through, you know, comparable properties to theirs to try to find up, you know, find out their, the price of their home. Um, you know, marketing strategy, uh, the list could go on and on, mm-hmm. but but a whole lot, definitely. Finding out, and you know, their of background, questions. yeah, mm-hmm. of, of uh, you know, how much what balance they owe. That way we know exactly
1: what equity they'll be taking home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a lot of preparation. And then you just want to make sure you have all your data all together. Uh, you want to make sure that you're presenting them uh, in order, uh, you know, any active listings, pending, um, and what has closed in the most recent time local to their area within the mile. So it is a lot of prep work, that's for sure. But if you come with all that information and you can answer the questions um, and you know where they're coming from, you know what their expectations are, then you have a pretty high chance of you're going to get the contract signed. Especially diving in
2: and, and finding out exactly what they want from an agent as well is super mm-hmm. important. 100%. so that mm-hmm. you know you can make sure you hit those points.
0: Mhm. So what what I what I'm hearing is ask the right questions, mm-hmm. listen to the client, which is probably what a lot of these people want you to do anyway, and also kind of know their numbers and know your data, whether it's for buyers, for sellers or for, you know, when 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 you're trying to interview for for business because if you're not doing that, you're just you're not you're not giving people what they want and there's too many people out there, too many agents out there that don't listen to their clients, they don't follow a process that works and ultimately it hurts the consumer at the end of the day. So What we're gonna do there is we're gonna take a quick break. Long conversation about our buyer and seller profile. We're gonna come back, talk about some news about what's going on in the market through May. This is Tool Time, real estate radio on WWDB, 860
3: AM. Or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliance's Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is
4: red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool sales group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline.
0: Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. she's Stacey Mitchell, and we have special guest, amazing real estate agent, amazing person, Jade James, also a member of our team. And again, we are the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018 with the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX Mainline. So ladies, what I want to hit on next, because we get this question all the time, how's the market? What's going on in the market? And, and we, we talk about this a lot because this is what people want to know. And there was some news that came out last week that the U.S. existing home prices, they hit another record high in May, according to the National Association of Realtors, and median existing home prices soared 23.6% year over year to a record high of $350,300 as monthly price gains continue. And this is, again, through the through the month of May. Uh, so, What do you think about this stat? I I, I have some very clear thoughts on it, but what do you guys think about this number before we get into some of the uh, specifics and some of the more granular data?
1: Well, this is what we are seeing out there in in the market here locally. Uh, Definitely uh, the increase in values month over month um, where if you had buyers that you were working with last fall, It almost is a little different market than it is now. So if your buyers missed out last fall, they're definitely going to be paying more um, this year. That's for sure. And I have a few buyers that, um, yeah... They're kind of kicking themselves in the butt for wait for I'm going to wait until the market changes. Well, it did change. <laughs>
0: I mean, how long do they want to wait? Right. I mean, when they say change, are they talking about prices going down or something happening? Is that their? That's
1: their. That was what their thought process was.
0: So they're probably going to be waiting until what? 2026 for that to happen. <laughs> I
1: guess. Right. Yep. Because okay. they missed the boat for sure.
0: Fair enough. Jade, what about you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it now in the last you know, three months. I've had buyers I'm working with since March, and we've even seen an increase since then. And they're getting a little bit less home for the money that they, they're willing to spend.
0: Well, and what's happening is this. Rates have gone up a little bit. Prices are continuing to go up. So it's costing more both on the payment and on the price. I will tell you this: this, this headline is very misleading because last May... We couldn't do anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We were even questioning if settlements were going to happen this time last year and uh, not this time last year, but in May, cause that's where the data comes from. And you gotta be very careful right now with these headlines because all of this is comparing it to when you couldn't do things in Pennsylvania that were considered real estate activities. You right. couldn't meet people at houses. You were having zoom appointments over a computer screen. That was all fine, but there wasn't that same activity. Now, May is an interesting month because we know the restrictions got lifted in May 19th. So we had like 11 days there where you could and it was a busy 11 days. I mean, you were right on the front line, Stacy. And uh, at the same time, I mean, we're not seeing a twenty three point six percent year over year increase. We're seeing maybe half to a little more than half of that You know, in that 10, 13 percent range in the greater Philadelphia area just because it's a large region. So um, I do agree that the you know, the people that wanted to wait is a bad move. Um, and that's all the more reason to talk to a professional that knows what they're doing and it's someone that you trust. So knowing that the headline's a little misleading um, and let's kind of get into some additional numbers here. So existing home sales dropped slightly for the fourth consecutive month in May, they were down 0.9%. So 9 tenths of a percent from the previous month, Um, but existing home sales are still up 44.6% year over year from 4.01 million in May, again, misleading stat, in my view. I mean, you know, because we couldn't do it, you couldn't have any settlements. I mean, there was a question of, are we going to be able to have this settlement right now, even though the loan's approved and everyone's got a health screening because the governor came out and said, hey, you can't do any in-person real estate activities. And we didn't even have electronic notary in Pennsylvania this time last year when all that happened. So I think you got to kind of look at that with with a grain of salt here and also understand that we're going to see more of a seasonal Flow to sales. So some other numbers, and I want to get your your take on this here. Um, so at the end of May, total inventory was 1.23 million units. That was up 7% from April, but down 20.6% year over year. We know inventory has declined, and you know they're they're seeing a two and a half month supply um, up from the 2.4 month supply from the previous month. So are are you feeling more inventory in the market? I know what the numbers say. But what what it what is are things changing a little bit? Are we on the cusp of the market, maybe hesitating a little bit, getting a little less incredible than it has been?
1: I haven't really felt that there's more inventory, honestly. Um it it still seems the same to me that there's not as much out there. So I mean I know that what the stats say that there's been a slight increase, but the in the areas that I'm working and the price points that I'm working, I haven't seen uh that increase in inventory yet.
2: I agree. I don't really see much of an increase. I feel I see a bit of a decrease in competition, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of 15 offers I'm competing against, <laughs> right. it's it's about five now. But um yeah, the competition has been decreasing. But as far as inventory, it's it's I feel like it's about the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So so Competition is decreasing. what does What does that mean? You're a buyer. There's, hey, Jade, I want to buy a house. Let's go make an offer on this. what What did it look like a couple months ago, where we are right now?
2: Um, we, well, we had to use every bit that we can as far as offering way over asking, mm-hmm. you know, bridging appraisal, paying uh, transfer tax now we can probably just get away with just offering over asking and just bridging appraisal (laughs) you Mm -hmm. don't have to go you know the extra length.
0: so so what what jade's talking about is paying the seller's portion of the transfer tax if the appraisal comes in short let's say it's ten thousand dollar a delta or difference between the appraised value and the sale price the buyer eats that money comes up with more cash i mean this is the reality of the first quarter and and that's that's what was what was happening very clearly so and that, that's kind of what I meant. The market's starting to go the other way where you're not having to write these incredible offers that, and you, and you still lose out on the property. I mean, have, have you guys written offers that you're like, wow, this offer is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you get to call, hey, it wasn't even close. Or mm-hmm. you got beat out by two other people. So what's that conversation like with buyers? Because I, I mean, that, that's gotta be a tough thing for buyers to swallow. And I think uh, the buyers that are out there in the market right now, I think they need to get realistic that they may write the best possible offer they can write and still lose the house.
1: Yeah, I have that conversation up front. Um, It doesn't help the situation though because you can talk about it all you want to, but until it becomes reality and they actually (laughs) experience it and the disappointment, especially if it was something that they loved and they did throw everything at the offer. um, (laughs) So it, it can be really, it can be difficult. I don't know if you get used to doing you know, having those conversations because with each one, and especially if you're working with a buyer and you've done three, four, five offers, um, and you see each time, you know, they could, they get a little bit more frustrated. Now, some buyers that I work with, they, they get, you know, it's the fortitude, you know, they, they go, you know, well, we'll try harder next time. It really depends on, on their, uh, personalities, but yeah, it can be a tough conversation. And, and very much disappointing. And it, it, you have to have those hard conversations. So if you're a good agent, that's what you got to do.
0: So how do you head it off, right? Like, I mean, especially the first-time buyer or the buyer that's not so familiar with the market. And, and Jade, I want you to chime in here, too. What, what are you telling them upfront? Because I, if we're going to do anything today, the people that are thinking about buying a home over the next 6 to 12 months... No matter whoever you use i don't care i want you to understand what's going on in the market so you're ready for what's coming because it is an emotional roller coaster
2: yeah yeah i'm just sort of prepping them on that the first initial meeting that i have with them you know this is what we're going to have to get into we're going to have to you know list price is starting bid Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we might have to go with minimal to no contingencies, mm-hmm. and 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 so forth, just to prep them. So once we're finally ready to put that offer, and
1: they understand of what's needed to be done, and and get out there quickly. So if they see their dream home, if you know they if something came on the market, we can't wait until Monday because offer deadline might be Sunday night at eight p.m. So it's definitely getting out there quickly to see homes if that, if that's, um, if they want to see something.
0: Well, sure. and I, I know I've seen the challenge with buyers where they're like, Hey, my schedule only allows for this. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's not someone that may be serious about buying a house right now or right. understanding what's going on in the market or to our last point, maybe you need to get okay with a video tour if you're not going to be able to do these things. So I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, so really good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of these other stats here, Um, so, I mean, you know, when you, when you see these numbers that, that, that come up and they're talking about condo sales and all these things, there there was one thing in particular about this article and that stuck out to me and it says NAR and the NAR president, Charlie Opler, he expressed their commitment to furthering housing policies to address the national shortage of inventory. I'd love to know what that policy is. I mean, I I would, I would love to know what that is because he's quoted as saying NAR continues its advocacy efforts to find new and creative ways to increase housing construction and supply. And he said that in the, in the NAR report, and then he goes on to say the right policies will provide huge benefits to our nation's economy and our work to close this gap will be particularly impactful for lower income households, households of color and first time buyers which I'm all for, that all sounds great. How are they, like? what are they gonna do to address the shortage of inventory? I mean, are they gonna make people sell their homes? I mean, that, that this is the question that I have. So yeah. I know we hit on this last week a little bit, but I mean, what, what can NAR really do here uh, besides maybe working with builders and and like lumber prices are coming down. There's a lot of stuff there, but that's not really gonna help us in the Northeast. We don't have any more land to build on.
1: Right, I, I don't know. I would like to see their plan. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good to say those things. It, that all sounds really, really good. But what, how are you going to implement that? What are you going to do? Like you said, are you going to force sellers to sell their homes? I, and where are they going to go? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm, I'm curious to see what their plan really truly is.
0: And The only thing I can see happening is some sort of, like they have that first-time buyer tax credit that Biden's talking about. Obama did it. It spurred the economy in 2009. To me, what, what I'm clear on is the only way to do that, is, and they're talking about taking away the tax incentives. Getting rid of 1031 exchanges, capital gains tax. You think investors are going to want to, it's okay. Now I can't do a 1031 and the capital gains tax went up. So I'm going to have to spend more money. Like, what's the point? You're going to actually take inventory away from the market. So if this is the now NAR, I mean, they'd lobby in Washington, they do all these things. If I was them, I'd be lobbying to, hey, give sellers some tax credits. Don't eliminate 1031 exchanges Mm -hmm. and don't raise capital gains tax because Those are all things pushing sellers away from the market. So, you know, I mean, and and a lot of these sellers, I mean, especially like the the 20 year home people buy. Right. Like at that point, they've amassed some wealth. So they're very cognizant of selling assets that there's going to be a capital gain. So I just don't I, I would love to know what they're doing. And this is in general, the problem with NARs. they don't, they don't do a whole lot. I mean, PR did nothing for us when we got shut down and we were the last region in the country to be able to sell real estate. So, I mean, besides, you know, what, what do you guys think about that? I mean, is that something NAR should be pushing? I mean, uh, you know, talk to me about your, your observations there.
1: Well, like you were saying, I don't, I'm not sure what exactly they think that they can do, um, I think that the incentives for sellers is definitely uh, a great idea. And taking away that 1031 exchange, people will just hold their properties. That's all they they're just they'll hold it. And if you're going to um, you know, hit them with a the big capital gains, again, they're going to hold on to these properties in hopes that there'll be an, you know, another administration change and some things will be different. Because people they'll they'll wait it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um instead of unless there's other extenuating circumstances that They have to sell, but if it's just because you know, hey, I'm not, I don't want to pay the capital gains. I'm just going to hold it for another four, eight years, whatever. Um, Especially if the asset's
0: performing, right? If they're making money on it, I mean, then they're getting taxed on that. But you know, it's. I think that you got to. There's two kinds of investors: the ones that buy based on appreciation, and the ones that buy based on the asset performing. The latter is the way to go. Like you don't want to ever buy on appreciation because what if the market turns, right? Mm -hmm. So if the asset's performing, what's the incentive to sell? None. Right.
1: Especially if you're going to hit with, get hit with all the taxes. Now, if they do offer an incentive, you know, if they give you, if there's no capital gains on that, you're going to see a lot of sellers considering, especially in this market,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, where they stand to make a lot more in equity.
0: And they're already cashing out high right now. We've yes. seen a lot of investors want to liquidate with it because they're done being landlords. They mm-hmm. want to And maybe they knew this was coming, right? Maybe they knew the capital gains was going up and and they were, or they wanted to buy a retirement property because then you can do a 1031 to the retirement home, sell your current residence, move to the, I mean, there's ways to avoid that. And if they're worried about shortage of inventory, this is the kind of stuff you got to think about because otherwise it's holding back inventory from the market. Mm
1: -hmm. For sure.
0: All right. On that note, what we're gonna do, we're gonna take another quick break here. And then we are gonna come back with what might be my most favorite segment we've done on the show coming up. We're going to talk about Jay James, our first <laughs> real estate scholarship recipient. She's doing big things with our team. Very exciting and we're committed to giving more people opportunities and bringing jobs to the community, which we're going to hit on here in a second. This is Tooltime Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
4: Have you considered a career in real estate?
0: Do you want control over
4: your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group
5: at REMAX Mainline. The real
4: estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610 692 6976 or visit our website,
3: tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, AlliancesInsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: All right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. And we've got special guest Jade James, teammate, part of the Tom Tool Sales Group in the house, our first scholarship recipient uh, for our real estate scholarship that we offer. And uh, what we want to talk about here is kind of how we got in touch with Jade, how we're bringing jobs to the community. We're giving people opportunities because what I know about real estate is that the the failure rate is so high. 87% of agents are out of the business in five years. Worse than restaurants. And restaurants are notoriously bad businesses to own. And they turn <laughs> over. And and uh, they've obviously had a really hard time the past year, so I'm not making light of that. So, um, and if you got a question while we're doing this, the email address is info at tooltimeradio.com. And again, we are the number one Remax real estate team since 2018 in Pennsylvania and Delaware at the Tom Tool Sales Group with Remax Mainline. So Jade, what I, I'm i excited you came in. And again, Jade was super nervous to come in, but she's been <laughs> kicking butt on the show. So uh, we got in touch a few months ago, uh, more than a few months ago. And uh, obviously you, uh, you had reached out about our scholarship program. So to give some people some perspective, before we connected, before you started your career in real estate, what were you doing before that? Because I think there's, this, there's a, a bit of a, and Stacey, you got a perspective here too, so please chime in. There's there's a bit of a stigmatism with real estate that you got to have some sort of experience before you get involved, and I could not disagree with that more.
2: Yeah. Um, so I was in the service industry. I was working in fine dining. I was a server of five dining for some years, and unfortunately, due to the pandemic, I had to kind of switch gears and, and rethink my future career uh, path. And I knew I wanted to stay in sales. I love being at service to others and, and kinda helping others make, you know, big decisions. Um, I know buying a home is kinda not as big as choosing between soup and salad, but <laughs> 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 um I knew that I would I would love it and and I'm right. I, I I really found my passion. I really love what I'm doing here. And coming to this team was like the best decision because Guys really set set me up, you know, to to be successful, and I had absolutely no experience at all. And um, the training and everything was was, ex like the best that get that got me, you know, where I am right now.
0: Well, you're very kind, and I would disagree. I think it's really important to order salad instead of soup every time <laughs> because you're going to be able to live a healthier lifestyle. <laughs> Um, uh, all, all kidding aside. So, um to give some perspective, Jade so I know, I know you've had you've been putting a lot of lot of sales up just to let people know what you're doing. Um, I think in the past forty five days, you've 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 done four sales with us uh, and and you've taken a listing as well, which like most people,
1: it's amazing. They don't
0: take a listing to like six, seven months in. They don't know what the heck they're doing. So she's doing you're you're doing amazing. Um, and I, I think that's that's as much of a credit to you putting in the work. But so what you said, you wanted to stay in the service industry. So why real estate? I mean, let, let's go a little deeper on that because I think there's a reason that people need to hear because it's this reason is the reason why you're also successful at what you're doing. Yeah.
2: Um, real estate. I kind of like the, you know, be able to make my own schedule. I kind of built my own business. Not every day is the same um, and just interacting with others and and, and that aspect, which is was a was a huge key for me.
0: So you like helping people and that's what I was hoping to hear because a lot of people get into real estate because they want to make money, right? They think it's easy. I mean, you know, it's a big
1: misconception. (laughs) Yes. And
0: (laughs) while you make your own schedule, you've got a very disciplined schedule. So I don't like people think you're like sitting at home, waking up at nine o'clock, checking the (laughs) MLS. I mean, this is so walk people through like what your day to day is like, because I think it's really important because you're having a lot of success right away. And a lot of people think it's going to take them six, eight, 12 months to sell four homes. You've been with us maybe ninety days, and and you're already putting that kind of that kind of those those kind of sales on the board. So, what, what's your day to day like? Obviously, you want to help people, and that that to me is the important thing about this business because no one really knows what they're getting into with a real estate transaction. I mean, uh, you could be the smartest person out there and not know what's going on. So, explain like what your day to day looks like. I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, um, I'm up about six o'clock, six thirty. Take some time to myself, work out a little bit, and I'm on the phones role playing. 8.45, 9 to 11.
0: What What are you role playing?
2: Role playing. Let's slow
0: down here because I think a lot of people aren't <laughs> okay. going to. I mean, it's like, is, is this like uh, you got like sock puppets or like what are we doing here? So.
2: <laughs> no, nope, I'm role playing different scripts, objections and everything just so that I'm, you know, I'm super on it that when I get into like a real life situation, I, I know exactly how to handle it. Um, so that's what my role playing looks like in the morning. Um, between nine and eleven, I'm on the phones making my calls, prospecting, and um, I think that's super important because you can kind of get lost in once you get deals done and kind of lose your pipeline. So it's important is to keep that in your schedule every day to to stay on the phones.
0: So, what you talk about your role playing script. So you use a script, right? Like so. So I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want everyone to hear this because I think it's so important. Like so. What kind of situations are you role playing? Like, is it, hey, my friend told me that the market's really great. Like, I mean, give give us an example of one of the most common things you, you're you're learning how to respond to because we're we're here to be the guide. We're not here to be the hero. We want to help get people through these stressful transactions because it, it it's really stressful buying real estate. I mean, there, there's no question; these transactions are emotional.
2: For sure, um, you know the scripts as as far as objections, I don't want to buy right now. The the market's crazy or um you know, I don't want to sell right now and different scripts like that. So, um you know, just prepping them for for the the market that they're going to get into and and just knowing how to handle those situations.
0: For sure. So, you're you're going over market data, telling mm-hmm. people what's actually happening, not what they see on the news. Mm-hmm. Cuz the news is, I mean, you know, the news is just totally negative anymore. <laughs> um, and then you're spending time prospecting. So for people that don't know what prospecting is, so you're like making calls. So like, I mean, are you, who are, who are you calling? What are you, what are you trying to do? What are your goals during that nine to 11 time block?
2: Yeah. I'm calling, you know, people that I've gotten in contact in the past I'm following up with them to see if they're, you know, still interested in purchasing a home. I haven't seen much activity from them. So just checking in and and kind of, you know, hitting on their motivation of their initial reason of, of buying a home and um, yeah, just following up and calling out.
0: Okay, got it. So you're looking to find people that want to buy or sell a home mm-hmm. in the next 90 days and have real intent is what I'm hearing. And th- this is language that we use. So you came from the service industry, um, you, you got into real estate. So what are some of like the challenges you're running into? Because I think everyone thinks, well, you're new. And to me, that's, that's kind of like an excuse because Stacy was a new agent 12, 13 months ago. Um, I, I, it's hard to keep track of the actual number cause we were not allowed to leave our houses, but I think it was actually like 15 months. Um, I was a new agent, you know, I, I've been through that and I think a lot of people want to default to that and just assume it's going to take them a while to see some success. And you know, so what are your, some of your like day to day challenges that you're running into and Stacy is an agent that's, you know, a, a, okay. a more of a veteran agent. Well, you've done more business than most people that who are in I the know. business for years. But like, what are some of the challenges you guys run into or you ran into during your first year in the business?
2: Um, my main, I don't know if it's really a challenge, but something that I've kind of caught on that I wish I adapted in the very beginning was, um, staying true to my calendar and and scheduling, um, and putting every little thing in my calendar. I know Tom says if it's not in the calendar, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, because I tend to juggle a whole bunch of things in my mind and as agents, you have a million things going on. So actually seeing that in front of my face and my calendar really helped me out to, you know, get the deals that I have gotten done.
0: So following a calendar, right? So you make your own schedule, but you got to follow it. I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge in any business person ever. Stace, what about you? I mean, you just went through all this too. So.
1: I think, Yeah, definitely time blocking for sure. Mm -hmm. And, and trying to stick to that. There's so many things that try to pull you away from that calendar. So, really try and that's still my struggle i still try to stay into that like jade said especially when you get under contract on deals and if you have a lot at one time you're there's a lot of deal doctoring going on to keep to hold everything together
0: what, what's deal doctoring again for the old i know we're talking in realtor jargon here and i want to make <laughs> sure we just make this super super clear
1: I love that term because it it just encompasses everything that could go sideways with a deal. So, you know, you're waiting for the appraisal. The appraisal comes back a little wonky Uh, inspections. uh, There's all kinds of things, uh, financing, anything that could come up that could make your deal go sideways. It's deal doctoring. Mm
0: -hmm. Sure. So, I mean, and there's issues that come, I give some, like, so you're talking about inspections, financing, appraisals, all that sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, so anyone listening here that, wants to maybe get into real estate and is a little afraid to, and again, we have the scholarship program. The website is realestatescholarshipprogram.com. If you're interested, we got all the information right there. Uh, someone that wants to get into real estate, um, Stacy, you already had your license when, and although we knew each other before we had actually worked together on a transaction. Uh, what, what, what advice do you have for the person that's expiring, aspiring, excuse me, not expiring, aspiring to become a real estate agent or wants to get into the real estate business and doesn't know where to start?
1: I would highly recommend to find a great team because strength and numbers, number one, um, our team has so many um, things in place to set that you, you're set up for success. You think you know some things when you come and you know when you get your real estate license, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) When you're right, James, right? Absolutely, you have like no clue until Mm -hmm. you're in it, and you're like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have these tools Mm -hmm. that this team provides, I I don't know where I'd be. I feel like I would be out on an island somewhere. Um, There's so much support on the team, Mm -hmm. so definitely a team is. um, It's just Should should
0: they interview teams? Like, should people go around and, and do some online research and interview teams? Because forget our I, team. I think in it. general, I mean, you in know, general,
1: absolutely interview teams. You have to you have to find your place and where you're going to be comfortable. Um, But yes, interview teams for sure. Find right, out Jade, what they do.
0: Find out what they do. Jade, we got three minutes left. Take us home here. What advice do you have for people thinking about getting into the real estate business? And again, you're interested in us. Realestatescholarshipprogram.com. Take it away. Close us out.
2: I agree. Finding your team, someone a team that's going to fit you and support, be a huge support system, hold you accountable. accountable. I think accountability goes a long way because uh, it kind of keeps the pressure on where you, um, you know, you're reaching those goals that you're that you're setting for yourself.
0: So, what does accountability mean to you? I mean, I, I think you, that word gets tossed around a lot.
2: Um, that's you know, <laughs> that's... Uh, if. I'm hold held accountable. I know that I had this pressure on my back to get this task done and it's not just on me. It's, you know, someone else's holding me accountable to that.
0: Well, I, I, I I love that answer because it's not just on you to do it. There's the people that are supporting you because ultimately they failed you as a leader. If you're not getting to where you want to go, Mm -hmm. you guys hit on support a lot. Um, Give some examples here of support or, or, or what, what you're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could sit here and talk, but I want to hear from you because you guys, Stacy, was, a, you know, had, had joined right literally the day we were told, <laughs> no, don't go to the office. We were in the office and we had like two days left and it was yeah. we like, it was very awkward. I'm like, hey, what's going on? We're not going to shake hands. What's happening? <laughs> so what, what uh, you know, what what support are you talking about here as we wrap up?
2: Support for me was huge, especially being a new, a new agent. I could lean on my other team members on, you know, any roadblocks I've, I've came across and they were kind of there to coach me through it. So, so that's mm-hmm. huge support on my end.
1: Pretty much any time of day or, you know, on weekends, any time of day that you have a question that comes up and Things always come up, right, Jade? I mean, things come up all the time. And it's usually at the worst moment. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like 9 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. or like, you know, Sunday at 8 (laughs) p.m. So that is where support is monumental because at any time we use that inner office uh, platform, Slack, you can Slack any other agents. You can Slack our sales manager. You can Slack Tom. I mean, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is definitely monumental. I know if I have a question pertaining to a deal or a new client and and I can't answer that question, I'm gonna go to somebody on my team and I'm gonna get the answers that I need for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: So support, accountability, systems, training, Mm -hmm. opportunities, all very cool. Very grateful for you too. I just want to say it again. I I, hopefully you know that's how I feel about you guys, but glad you came on, Jade. Way to come on. You did great, really proud of you. I know you you. were super nervous. (laughs) Uh, even though she's a great salesperson, coming on the radio is a little different. <laughs> so, um, if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Tom Tool Sales Group on Facebook. You can follow Jade on Instagram. It's underscore or it's at underscore Jade Sales. Stacy's at the number two Michko, Mitchco M I T C H C O, and I'm at Tom Tool three R D. Don't forget the E. Any questions? Email us. It's info at tooltimeradio.com. This is WWDB eight sixty AM Tooltime Radio signing off.